Hi everyone and welcome to The Freelancer Show. Today we have a special guest, Kevin Urrutia. Hey, how's it going? And I'm Petra Manos, your panelist for today. And we have a really interesting topic today, but before we get into that, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself, Kevin? Yeah, so my name is Kevin Urrutia here, one of the founders of Boy Media, but my background is in computer science and programming. So before this, I was working in Silicon Valley, San Francisco, and then now I'm back in New York City. Uh, this is where I grew up and kind of like where I'm where I'm building some of my companies at the moment. So a lot of experience in just like building stuff and uh, entrepreneurship is kind of something like I just kind of like got into just like I want to just build some stuff, some products and services. And that's sort of like what I do now. Yeah, a lot of us start that way. It's like yeah. a passion project, doesn't it? And then we, we find out there's a bit more to it than that. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but you need to start, you need to have some passion in there. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, that's sort of like how I start. For me, it was like, I was just like looking at stuff on, I think, I've, I mean, at least most computer people, I think I wanted to just make games. And then I got into like looking at how to make games. And I was like, oh, this is kind of pretty difficult. Like, I maybe I, can, maybe I can't make games, but let me at least see what I could do. And that's kind of like how I learned a little bit more about programming in general. And that led me into like, I guess, whatever, freelancing and like building stuff. And like, I learned about like, I think like, was it called like Rent-A-Coder? Was it one of the earlier websites? And I tried to hire somebody on there to make me a website. And then I was just like, this isn't what I want. I want to do it myself. And then like that led me to learning like CSS and HTML and all that, all that stuff. And I was like, that led me into like this whole world of like, I don't know, at least online freelancers that were like building stuff for other people. Fantastic. When I went freelance, I was still only a few years into my development career. My first contract, I was paid 60 bucks an hour. Due to feedback from my friends, I raised it to 120 bucks an hour on the next contract. And due to the podcasts I was involved in and the screencasts I had made in the past, I started getting calls from people I'd never even heard of who wanted me to do development work for them because I had done that kind of work or talked about or demonstrated that kind of work in the videos and podcasts that I was making. Within a year, I was able to more than double my freelancing rates, and I had more work than I could handle. If you're thinking about freelancing or have a profitable but not busy or fulfilling freelance practice, let me show you how to do it in my Dev Heroes Accelerator. Dev Heroes aren't just people who devs admire. They're also people who deliver for clients who know, like, and trust them. Let me help you double your income and fill your slowdowns. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. And just when you said that, I'm thinking my six-year-old son yeah. is absolutely determined now that he's, first of all, he wanted to be a, a YouTuber. That's what he said. Yeah. He was going to be a YouTuber and he was going to play games professionally. Yep. And then now he's decided that he's going to program games because we got him a Tinker account. And it's funny, I'm thinking, well, by the time he's an adult, it, it might turn, you know, that interest he's got might turn into something else. So, yeah. But I would no, hope does, that he yeah. would end up with a, an, a career in entrepreneurship like yours. So, yeah, I think it does. I think like, I think what I, I was actually thinking about talking this to my mom the other day. And I was like, I was like, mom, remember I told you I want to do like games and you told me like, you're never going to do this. I was like, what if you told me you can do this? How would my life be? Right. Because like, I remember, I remember trying to do this because like, it's kind of like anything when someone tells you no, you're kind of like, no, like I'm so determined to do this because like you don't think it's like a real thing, right? Mom was like, you're not going to be playing, playing games your whole life because this is what maybe like I'm 31 now. It's like 10, 15 years ago, like e-gaming. This wasn't a thing back then. You're like gaming was kind of like a thing that you did to like waste your time, right? Where now it's like, oh, wow, you can make so much money, right? Doing this. So I always think that's interesting when I tell her and she's and at least for me, my mom 
like we're from like whatever Central America. She's just like, well, that's because I didn't know what programming or computer stuff was. Like she's like, we only know like the stuff that people talk about, lawyers, doctors, yeah. and stuff like that, right? That you like the obvious stuff. She's like, yeah. computer stuff wasn't like something that like people knew back then. She's like, I don't even know what it is now. She's like, yeah, I'm joking. Yeah. So well, hopefully I'm not yeah. demotivating myself because yeah. I said that he can do whatever he likes. So. Yeah, yeah. But I know so, it well, depends, right? Yeah. The, let's yeah. just move into the topic. So um so today we're gonna talk about scaling from freelancer type business where you're working on your own perhaps or with one assistant into working with a larger team if you choose to. So not everybody will find that this topic is something that they want to do and that's fine. But for those people that want to build an agency or who perhaps want to move into more remote management where you're say on a board of directors, but you actually have a manager looking after the business, that might be a dream that you have in your head, but how do you actually accomplish that? And the reason that we're going to chat about that today is this is something that you were describing earlier, Kevin, that you had previously spent some time kind of tinkering around with different entrepreneurship ideas around this theme of programming, for example, and then you stumbled across a business model that really worked for you and you're able to scale quite rapidly and you've been able to scale two businesses now. So um, would you mind describing a little bit that experience that you had going from freelance into a larger business, just a bit of background story? Yeah, so the first sort of freelance project thing that I did was in college and I was going to school in upstate New York and I made this like, I don't know, I made this like me and Wilson who actually works with me on the agency right now. We were, I was a, I think I was like a junior in college and he was like a sophomore. So like he's much younger than me, but we all like, we had like opposite skills. So I was programmer and he was designer. So then we decided to make like, we just wanted to make some money. Like obviously like anybody in college, like, oh, we want to make some money. At the same time, like we wanted to just like going back into like that entrepreneurial spirit. Like we were both wanted to just make something. And so then we started our agency, which is just us two, right? Like we, it's just me and Wilson. And it was called One Tiny Bit. And basically here, we were doing a lot of like Ruby on Rails programming, web design, web development. Kind of like in the beginning, like I guess any type of freelancer, you kind of do a little bit of everything because that's sort of like when you get a client or a brand, they ask you, oh, can you do like web stuff? Can you do design? Can you do UX? Can you do like the back end you're like yeah i could do it you're like i figured it out because you're a freelancer then you sort of like figure everything out yourself and you're like okay cool like i'll figure out the contracts i'll figure out all this stuff and the payments and like at least for when we were doing that time we we're just like trying to figure, figure all this stuff out and i think something that we learned pretty quickly early on was that at least for us when we we're doing it, it's like wow there's actually a lot of work figuring out how to get clients and how to figure how to talk to them we realize how much time people want to talk to you about like stuff and you also realize how much you or I don't know, at least for us in the beginning, like you as a freelancer and sometimes when you work with these brand new companies, they're looking for you for so much advice, but they don't want to pay you for that advice. They just want you to like, they think like that whatever you're paying for them, it's like includes like consulting like with their whole business and idea. And they're just like, okay, great. But like, I'm gonna pay you this low price, but you need to tell me everything that I need to do. And I don't want to pay you more. Right. So I don't know. That's something we, that's like, I think this is a, something like a general thing, not just like freelancer. I think like in general, I think people I think see This that. is why some people become coaches. They're like, I'm doing it anyway. Might as well charge you up. Yeah. Like money just to talk to you about it. And the things. thing about it too, like. <laughs> we all end up being part-time coaches. Yeah. And the thing too, it's like, if you, and like, this is where we struggle too. Like, 
if I like now label my, instead of labeling myself as a freelancer and I label myself as a coach, I can just three times my price and you'll be happy. Right. <laughs> but like, yeah, so, and that's, I think, I, I think for us, that's something that we learned early on too. Like we were always saying like, Hey, like let's not call ourselves freelancer because freelancer has this like connotation that like, you're kind of like this one-off person that is kind of doing it. Even if like we, me and Wilson were just like, Hey, let's just say like our agency and it makes it seem bigger. People are like, oh, well, this is actually a team behind. And now you're getting like a, a team sort of working on your account. And that's sort of like has helped us a lot. Like not, not just now, but before too. We're saying, hey, our team will look into this thing for you. And they'll be like, oh, whoa, like you have a team. But it's literally the same people, me and Wilson, just like working on the stuff. But now it's like, versus like one person, they're like, oh, you don't know what you're doing. But now we say like, no, we have actually have like two or three people working on it, right? So that's like something that I, I think I've read. the same actually. Even <laughs> when I've just got a, like a virtual assistant, yeah, I call it my team, and I I I say to people, um, this is our process. I'll use yeah. that term quite yeah. a bit as well. And then, if someone asks me to do something that I don't want to do, I'll say, I'm sorry, we haven't got a, a process for that. Yeah. So that's you know that's definitely not going to be part of our scope, and it's <laughs> it, it's good actually. It, it just stops those kind of errant requests because if someone thinks, oh, you're just gonna, your own person, you can learn something. Yep. If I say, oh, no, we've got a team and we work with processes, then all of a sudden they can't argue with you because they don't know what your processes are. Yeah. And whatever your processes are, that's what they're getting. Exactly. And they, they, they can't argue with it. No, <laughs> so it's, it, it, it just it, cuts everything off. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's like the best <laughs> hack ever. And like, even for like, <laughs> They're like before I used to do your own invoices. And if when I was in invoicing, I'm like, hey, you're overdue. They'll be like, no, nah, I'm not going to pay you because this feature isn't done yet. But now I say, oh, like I'll t I have like an assistant that will invoice them and say, hey, like, and then I'll make her be like, hey, your invoice is due. If you don't pay, we're not going to be working anymore. And I'll tell Kevin. So they're like, oh, sorry about that. Let me go pay your invoice. And then like, so like, just like this concept of like, it, it goes down. You said it's like when they see it's just you, they think they can bully you around and push you around because like, oh, I'm gonna pay you, but then they see, oh, oh, wow, you have other people in the team. I can't. They don't want to be mean to the other person that they're not working with directly. And I think that's like a human psychology of, oh, wow, like I've never met that person, I'm really talked to them, but they're like need something. And also, I think, I think for anybody that's freelancing, it's great to remove yourself from this invoicing part and like doing the work part because then you're kind of seen as a good guy and the bad guy in one. And that's a really hard thing for sometimes clients to like separate sometimes, especially when they don't pay. And then they're like, they'll hold you hostage because like, hey, like, but you didn't finish this feature. But like, it's... Yeah, it's, I'll be yeah. bad cop only if... So my, my process is that my assistant will send the initial invoice and I'll do three reminder follow-ups. Yep. And then she refers it to me and then I'll play bad cop if it's got three weeks of a G, so then I'll call them because I'm not really a phone person. I do everything by email. Yeah. But I'll, I'll call them and I'll be like, hey, client, you've got an invoice overdue, don't you? And then because because someone else has been Opinion. working with them and they know that they've got this call from me, all of a sudden they're really embarrassed and they're like, oh, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas if it was just me all the time, they'd be like, yeah, whatever, like nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, so fun. <laughs> it's so funny that you said that because right before this, my assistant the, does billing. She's like, hey, this client hasn't paid in like a month. And I'm like, I saw her email him and I just literally wrote an email. Hey, guys, is something wrong with the, is something wrong with the invoice? I, I didn't see it get paid by my assistant. Just want to check on anything before we do something new next week. And they're like, 
oh, sorry, let me go get it paid now. It's like, yeah, it's exactly how that works. And it's just so funny because it's just like adding that one person. And at least like I tell people like having an assistant is not expensive, but it just makes a huge difference. Like you have a, a great sort of assistant from like the Philippines. You pay them what? Five, six hundred bucks a month. And it's just like, whoa, like it just makes so much like stress and headache is gone. Like, hey, just do, you do the invoices. If it's got a bad email, okay, you you handle it and then come to me. Yeah. Yeah. But so have you primarily scaled then because we're, we're talking about where you're getting your assistance from, but have you primarily scaled with virtual team members or local team members? Yeah. So for Void Media, we have it's almost like US, all US based employees, but then we also do have a lot of virtual assistants. And the reason for virtual assistants, for at least for me, came from when I was doing the maid company, we were looking for like staff to sort of answer phone calls and like online chats because like, it's like any, if once you have like traffic, you're, this business is like kind of local based. Even for like web design, when we had one tiny bit, we had a phone number. I had my phone number on there. People would call me all the time. And I guess learning from web development, I learned that the people that call you are probably not people you want to work with because they're just like another, another level of client. I'd rather have them email me first and like, tell me what your budget is and then I'll call you. But yeah, you like learned this through just like sheer experience of like taking this on. But, that's kind of how I first started learning about virtual assistants is when I was doing the maid company and I needed like phone reps to talk to people because I couldn't like do it anymore because of the local business. Like people just want to call and like talk to you. Like, Hey, I have a cleaning. Like, can you come down to like downtown New York? And I was like, okay, where do you live? Like yeah, 18th street. Right. It's like, all right. It's like, okay, cool. But that at least for like my stuff, like, so we have like operations people that are in-house, of course, for the maids, it's all like us workers. Cause like we all like local people. For one tiny bit, my software company, I did work with a guy named Justin and he was like a student in college that, I, that a friend knew and I hired him to work part-time for me. That's kind of like, that's, that was like, it's funny because I was like talking to my friend the other day. I was like, oh, that's technically like my first employee. Like I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like it was like this college student that I randomly hired that my friend knew. And I still talk to Justin to this day. He's like, yeah, remember when you used to work for me? We're like, yeah, I have no clue what we were doing at that, that time. <laughs> It was like, we're still friends. And it's like, looking back, it's like so weird. These like experiences that you have. And the reason why I hired him, it goes back to kind of what I was before. It's like, someone's like, oh, like Kevin, you got to do my web stuff. Can you also do an Android app? And I was like, yeah, we can do an Android. And I was like, I tried to, then I tried to learn it. And I was like, oh my God, I cannot do an Android. I was like, I was like, Justin, I know that. I think your sister told me you do Android stuff. Can you do it for me? He's like, okay, great. That was like, okay, let me pay you by the hour. So that's like my first like employee. And I think that's kind of like how, like, at least for me, I got into that mindset of, because like, I don't know, as a freelancer, you kind of say yes to a lot of things because you just want the work. And then eventually you like, you probably know, like eventually you're like, oh my God, like I should have said no. Like I should have said no. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, yeah. I've been, uh, I've been putting my foot down a lot recently in terms of been practicing that no muscle. That's. I think it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think like, one thing I do say now too is like more no. Like I think in the beginning it's very easy to say yes because like you kind of just like at least for me and Wilson it was just like hey let's try it and let's see if we like it and if we don't let's just like not do more of that stuff and, that, and that's kind of like how I've always kind of been. It's like oh let me try it and and it's like oh nope that wasn't good like yeah, lesson learned lesson learned right there <laughs> yeah yeah so. Yeah. What I found is that if you're if you're good at your craft and you've got marketing in place, you need to have both. Yeah. Then you can actually hit capacity. Yep. Pretty quickly, and not all of us want to build to a twenty-five person team. Like some people yeah. do, but not everybody does. In my case, I just like everything to be really organised 
And for me, I don't want to keep throwing myself into chaos of having to like build new systems to accommodate a new person all the time. Yep. So I like to take things slowly. So, you know, I'm at capacity pretty much at the moment. And it makes it really easy to say no, because if someone comes along and it's not like the perfect deal that I'd be willing to boot an existing client out for, then I I know that I haven't got the time to do it. So I've been saying to people, I'm really sorry, but I can't meet with you for two months. Like if someone wants to have an initial chat, because I'm like, if it was something that I was really keen on, I might consider bringing that forward a little bit earlier. But if it's something where I'm like, yeah. I'm not really sure if I want to do it. I've been pushing that back. And then I've been saying, look, you know, I can't start until this time if if it's a job that I want. And I, I know that if I've got a particular contract that's ending at a particular time yeah. and that I don't want to renew it, yeah. then I will kind of structure it like that. But I feel like I'm calling the shots. And then when when I'm doing that, they're respecting me because they know that my time is more precious. And it's like, I'm the prize. Yeah. So then they're more likely to agree to my terms and my price because they know that I'm valuable. Whereas if you're needy, then immediately people get the sense that you're not really that valuable and that you're a commodity. Yeah. And that's exactly why like sometimes being a freelancer is great because of like what you just said. It's like you can really be like, hey, I'm super busy. Like it's not unless you pay me a lot more then I can work with you. And I think yeah, it's like the person's like wants to work with you directly. And that's probably one of some of the benefits of like being a freelancer versus like an agency, for example, which is like, like, at least for us, my mentality, like now it's like, okay, great. Like we have more clients that want us. We need to grow our team because we know that we can bring on more people to bring in more revenue for the company versus when we were doing freelancer. Yeah. Like even for me, when I was doing one tiny bit with Wilson, it's like, we would do like two, three projects and we're just like, well, between this and school, like we just can't, like do more stuff you're just like you just physically like like hit a mental capacity it was like you just can't think of stuff and you just can't work or like uh, answer emails anymore but yeah it's so it's like it's like it's kind of what you said before it's like where where do you want to be and like i think for me and this is something like we always kind of struggle too it's like some days i'm like oh, i want to be a really big company other times being Wilson just it's like why can't we just be me and you again when like we could actually like just control everything and it's it's and it's just one of those things where like you kind of always think about like, you know, even for me when I walk around, I'm like, oh, it was so nice. It was just me and Wilson, like I have to manage people. I have to like, like I wake up with an issue, like, oh, hey, like I can't come to work today. I'm like, oh, what is it now? Like, like all this stuff that like just randomly pops up. And like, I always tell people like the best thing about working in agency is like sometimes like just all this random, like you, you deal with humans and humans are so unpredictable. <laughs> and it's just like every day there's something that happens at work. And I'm like, that's kind of interesting. But like, I, me and Wilson sometimes also talk about it like, hey, like what if it was just me and you again, like just hacking on things together? Like that was pretty fun. But I don't know. I think it kind of really depends on like, as like any individual needs to go like, what do they want to do? And I think me and Wilson, we, you know, we like flip-flop. Like some days like, oh, we're going to be so like, like for Void Media, we were like, we were literally thought, hey, we're going to be a 200 person company. And then this was like maybe six months ago. And then now we're just like, can we be the company that's like 50 people? Because like, that's kind of good. And it's like, and now we're just like, Oh, maybe like 25, 30 is kind of good. And it's just like, now we're just like, okay, how do we like make it a little different where it's like maybe smaller, but I don't know. It's, it's one of those things, at least for us, we battle internally because we get a lot of requests. We want to work with us. And then like, like anybody knows it's like, sometimes it's like, oh, like how many, like how many times can I say no to like really good opportunities? And it's just like, let's, let's build a team around that. So that's kind of like, 
where we come from and and that's like at least for me you really it's got like, your marketing working well yeah. if you've got that many requests to yeah. people to work with you like even for but, like for us like at least for us we're getting about 100 new requests a month because we do a lot of like marketing like organic traffic yeah, yeah. so i think yeah, that's fantastic yeah at least for like freelancers i think like at least for me like something i learned really early on was just like organic marketing works really great and if you can get that rolling that's probably like one of the best things that you can do because it kind of like gets keeps on going and i mean you probably know too like as a freelancer one of your best assets that you could probably have are your case studies like everything that you work just show it off because people are always look let's say you work for like i don't know let's say like nike or whatever right people are always looking for like nike case studies and like if your brand comes up it's like oh this is the company that worked on them let me go contact them so like leverage that sort of thing i think people don't really do too much and i think it's the reason why like companies i think that's a really good tip actually that's the thing that i know that i should be doing all the time and then whenever i go to do my marketing i end up kind of defaulting to what's easiest for me just because i've only got a certain amount of time and then i've got to get this case study but i just want to shift into case studies yeah yeah, oh, case, studies like the, uh, case studies are the I, worst, I right? Name, it's like so yeah. frustrating. Yeah, it's like so frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> like even for us. I like, need yeah. to really concentrate on them. Yeah. It, but I tell people it's like, it's probably the, one of the most like important things that you can do, but it's like just writing them is annoying. Like even for me, people are like, oh, I saw you this case study in the skincare company. I'm like, oh, whoa, we wrote that like two years ago. Like, I can't believe you're still like referencing that. But like, it's so crazy. Like people like to look at that stuff. Hey, listeners, this is a business opportunity. Become a case study specialist. (laughs) Case study writing specialist. Perfect. Do you know what? I reckon there'd be so much business out there. I mean, I guess a lot of copywriters would do that. But if if you're a case study specialist, that sounds really cool, right? Yeah. So, like, one thing I'm, I'm curious about. So, if you're going from, let's say you're a freelancer or you've got one or two assistants, so in my case, I've got three assistants, but two of them are part-time. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like two assistants really yeah. in terms of full-time employees. So, and also mine are virtual. So I'm not paying a lot of money for mm-hmm. my assistants. How do you go from being a freelancer with a few assistants to like employing local people or kind of bringing on the, the new hires yeah. without your profitability just falling apart? Like how? How does this transition look? Do you, do, you, do you as the business owner eat baked beans for the year or yeah. like how, how does that work? Yeah, that's like this is a this is a good question because I feel like this is like something that people always struggle with and something we also struggled with when I, for at least for the our agency was in the beginning it was like me and Wilson doing everything like ad management but kind of like how we started initially was through like these like freelancers or like upworks or like one off type of things where it's like, hey, you need copywriting? Okay, let me go look for somebody on Upwork that can do copywriting for me enough for like, you know, 30, 40 bucks. And I'm like, okay, okay, like, let me offload some of that work. And once you sort of start offloading a little bit of that work, it becomes like addicting to be like, oh, how much can I offload? That way I don't have to do any of this stuff anymore. Right. <laughs> so, and that's kind you of like- You can't really control the quality that way though. If you're just yeah. relying on a freelancer from Upwork, you, yeah, you yeah. just get what you get. Yeah, so that's why like, but going, before like you hire somebody on Upwork, where you really have like a great interview process. And I think that's where, from what I've seen before, that's probably the thing that people need to do. You can't just like hire somebody. I, at least for us, when we work with somebody or even a contractor in general, we have about four interviews. So it takes about three to four weeks to even bring somebody on board as a contractor because we have just a process 
of bringing on somebody on board to make sure it meets the qualities that we are looking for. Yeah, in the beginning, when we were doing it initially, it was kind of like, oh, this guy looks kind of good. And it's like, no, he's actually like that good. And then like, as you learn, we're, we started reading like hiring books and uh, how, do you, how, do you, how do you actually hire people, right? And that became like a process that we learned to bring somebody on board. But uh, anyways, in the Did beginning- Did you learn this by being bitten? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's, like, it's like, we think about it, it's like, it's like, honestly, like, I think this is one of the things that I always tell people like hiring the wrong person sucks and we've done it before and we did it once. And this is where we decided to like, wow, we cannot make that mistake again. And, and the reason why I tell people it wasn't the money, it was more like the opportunity cost. Like, hey, this person worked with us for like eight months. And for those eight months, we didn't grow. And also kind of going back to what you before, it's like we, we made less money. But at the same time, like, it's okay because to make less you money. Because yeah. you're the entrepreneur and putting out fires. Yeah. So like ultimately, the bill stops with you, right? Yeah. And so if you've got mess in your business, I'm saying the bill stops, the buck stops with you. If, if you've got mess in your business, then it kind of goes all the way up until your time is consumed with putting out fires. Yeah. It's not like a well-oiled machine then. No. And if you've just hired randoms that aren't, they're either not pulling their weight or they're insisting on doing things their own way or they're just not skilled or whatever it yeah. ends up being, they're sloppy. Yep. Then you have to put out all those fires. Yep. And it's it's not good. Often a team member won't be as willing to criticise another team member's work. I mean, not that you need to be critical all the time, but if someone's really not pulling their weight, Another team member isn't necessarily willing to tell someone that. Yep. And so and it I ends think... up being you as the business owner. And then yep. then you have to feel like, is it okay for me to feel like this big bully person that's firing people? Yeah. Or do I just kick this can down the road a bit? And it can really make a mess. Yeah, exactly. And like I think like even as a business owner, I think sometimes you want to hire somebody to just sort of be like, oh, this person, you know, if I hire Kevin he'll figure out the perfect process for our company. I'm like, no, this person has no clue what's going on. And if you don't do that for that person, like you're just like going down a really bad rabbit hole. And, and we've thought about that too. Like, oh, if we hire this person and they're going to figure out the whole sales for us. It's like, no, nah, because they don't even know what's going on. So like, yes, you, you'll run into those like A players where like they can do that, but that's rare. Most people kind of just want to go into the company and be like, okay, what's my work and how do I get it done? And what's the process you guys have? Most people aren't going to be there to figure out that process for you. But yeah, going back to what you said before earlier. Ones that like to create the process and who are real A players, they're probably already creating their own businesses. Yeah. But even even like I think for what you're saying before, like as a business owner, like sometimes like what you said before, it's like other team members don't like to criticize other ones. And I've seen that firsthand too. And like, and that comes from like a mix of like, the person that you hired is like maybe senior than the person, the team member. And they're like, Oh, like he's a senior. Like maybe I shouldn't say something because that's kind of like just how people are. But then like, I'll be listening to them talk and I'll be like, wow, like this person that you've hired actually has no clue what's going on. Like, I don't think I need to like, they gotta let them go. Right. So it's like, I think that's something you learn. You don't think you learn too. It's like when it's your own money. Someone will call themselves senior because I'm like, you're a senior with a walking frame. Because you've reached a certain age where you're calling yourself senior, yeah. you know, whether that be, you know, a 20 year old senior because you've been at McDonald's for 10 years. Yeah. But being senior in terms of years on the job 
has nothing has nothing to, to do. do with attitude or skills. Nope. You could be sitting around twiddling your thumbs for 10 years and then go, oh, I'm a senior, blah, 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 blah. But do you yeah. know how to do anything or have you kept up with your skills? No. Yep. Um, like I used to know this, this he wasn't one of my friends, but he was like a friend of a friend and he was like hanging around all the time. His goal in life was how can I get away with as much as possible within my employment without getting fired? So yeah. he would work on the weekends and he would watch like Netflix or he would, like he just had all these schemes and I was like, my goodness, do you actually do any work? And he, I think he put more time yeah. into scheming his employer than actually doing yeah, work. And I'm thinking, work. I don't know if you're actually building any skills whatsoever. So if he was called senior such and such, I certainly wouldn't necessarily put any credibility yeah. into his skills. You know? So no, it's that's a slippery slope to start calling yourself senior unless you've got the skills and the attitude to back it up. And I think that, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that you learn, like, when hiring people. It's, like, honestly, like, I think anybody knows in, like, the first month, you kind of know someone that you hired was good or bad. You're, like, oh, whoa, like, whatever they told me is not, like, and, I and like, for me, like, I like to just do, do very simple, like, tests with people. I'm, like, hey, let's just do a screen share and let me just see what you, like, how to do this. And really what I'm looking at there, I'm looking at how they're typing because I'm, I'm like trying to visually kind of like visualize their speed, but then I'm also looking at how they're like navigating the window. If I see them like dragging the mouse like a crazy person, I'm like, whoa, like, like, how do you not know how to like command switch or do tabs? Like very basic stuff. Like, I'm like, hey, that's like a command C that's copy and paste. Like, like maybe your text fields aren't where you told me they were. So like, I think as a hiring person, like, uh, it's like, hey, like I would never do it like that. Like, because that's like a basic skill that you learned at like you know college of like how to type this way or how to copy and paste i'm like hey like you know you don't need to drag the mouse to do like highlight everything you can do command a and they're like oh wow really i'm just like wow like okay like maybe this person isn't like the tech person that i thought they were maybe they're not like who i need them to be for that position so i always tell people like it's always great to just have this like sort of hands-on like stuff especially if you're like a tech worker or like for us we all work online you kind of just like just evaluate them real quickly and and just like see that and that could really tell you a lot and and the reason why I like it is because it's kind of like off guard. If they know that they're like sort of getting examined for this, they're going to be like, okay, like I need to make sure like my mouse commands are perfect. But like, you know, hey, let's just like, let's type something. It's like, okay, let me see how you open up a new window. Let me see how you open up a document. It's like, okay, great. Like, are you doing it this way? You're that all, all this little stuff that kind of shows you kind of like a little bit of problem solving of what they've done. Or if they even thought about like, at least for me, when like I always tell, I always tell my employees, like when I do something, like let's say copy and paste and copy, like let's say take a screenshot. I was just, I'll, I'll be like, wow, I keep doing this thing over and over again. Like, how do I make it into like a shortcut? And I'm like, oh, great. If I do command shift V and it just copies it into the clipboard and then I can paste it automatically. And then like, for me, I'm looking for optimization. So I'm always looking for people that think like that too, where like you see yourself doing it over and over again. It's like, how do I make myself efficient? And like, I'll tell people this and they're like, oh, but that's only a second. I'm like, yes, that's a second, like hundreds of times a day. That's like minutes. And like, if people say like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But if I hear people say like, Oh, why would you? I would never think about that. I'm like, okay, you have like a different mindset, right? So it's like you're looking for people with like these mindsets that are just kind of like more aligned with your company or sort of how you want to think. So, hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. 
We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. Here's the million dollar question then. Yeah. yeah. If someone doesn't meet your mindset or you're reviewing them like this and you're not really happy with what they do, what do you do next? So it really depends on the person, like, and obviously like any sort of like laws that you might have for your state or country, right? It's like, I think that's probably the number one thing that you think about. It's like, okay, so how do we hire them? Okay, okay. It was like, how do we hire them as an employee? Okay, you can't just let them go. You have to like have that performance reviews. You have to do all this crazy stuff, right? I think I think the best thing to do though, what we've done is sort of like- That's when you go, dang, I better read that book on hiring. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's a lot like, oh, easier yeah, with a virtual up. assistant. Yeah. yeah <laughs> if they're like exactly. a contractor, you can just go, oh, yeah. And I don't quite see eye to eye. Yeah. That's why contractors, if you're having a contract, it's the easiest thing to do. It's like, okay, great. We're going to let you go. Employee, for example, depending on where you're from, a little bit more difficult. But I think I always tell from what I've seen before and sort of like what from my personal experience of like hiring people, if someone's bad and they're truly bad, they kind of know that already and they're kind of just like waiting for you to tell them that and i don't think people are i think it's more i think if you're if you're talking to someone your first time and they're shocked that they're bad that means like you've probably done a bad job of like maybe just like hinting at things or just like saying like hey like or not even hinting but at least like kind of being upfront with them saying hey no that's not how you should have done that right it shouldn't be this like surprise to them it should be like you should have already told them like stuff they've messed up a little things Already, because if Unless you don't they do think that, that yeah. they are completely superior to you, yeah, I've had, that, I've, had that <laughs> I've had that too. I've had that too, though. Yeah. <laughs> so I've had that too before. Yeah. I've had oh, that as too. you were saying yeah. that, you're saying they know that I'm smirking to myself, going except for that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I've had a few of those, but yeah, some people just, just go, like some people just think they're amazing, and I'm just like, I, I don't know. know how you. Yeah, I'm like, I don't. I, even for me, I'm like, I'm like, whoa, like. That's crazy. Like, I, I'm surprised when I get that too. Trust me, I'm just like, wow. Yeah, I'm, that always takes me by surprise when they do that. But ultimately, yeah. if I'm in the process of letting them go, and then they, I'm like, well, it doesn't change my decision. No. I, I, and like, okay. they can't really, they can yeah. argue a bit more. But that's when, if you have someone like that, that's when you, you make sure that you've got a really good team offboarding process in terms yeah. of, how do we get rid of all the excess very quickly yeah. so that you yeah, don't have someone so like yeah. that become destructive? Yeah. And I think it's so important. And also I think too, like if you, have, if you actually truly have a bad employee that sucks, you want to get rid of them as quick as possible because I, I was reading this book. It's like what you tolerate becomes the norm. So if everybody's seeing that you're tolerating this bad behavior, people are like, Oh, that's po like, Oh, I could do that too then. Right. So like I had an employee that was just like literally sleeping at work. And my, one of my other, like literally like, and like my one of my employees came to me. He's like, "Hey, Kevin, just want you to let you know that this is happening." And then like I talked to him about it, and then a week he's like, "Oh, I won't do it." And then the next week he did it. And I was just like, "Hey, like, I like this is not going to work out. Like, it's clearly not the right fit for you. Let's sort of end this as quick as possible. I'll pay you end of the month, and let's go from there." And then he kept going back to your support and trying to argue with me. I'm just like, "Hey," he's like, "What if I work for free?" I'm like, "Hey, honestly, like, I paid you. And you didn't do any work. What makes you think that working for free will make you do work?" He's like, "Oh yeah, it makes sense." I was like. Yeah, like, come on, people. It's like, come on, people. Like, 
It's like, yeah, I'm sorry, dude. Like, yeah, it sucks. But like, I think it's, I think when you're seeing... Having a I think free because employee of, sounds even yeah. worse, actually, because all yeah. of a sudden you haven't got a transactional relationship. So you're not, you're not really in charge of anything. You don't not, have yeah. a, you, you don't have that give and take. It's just that person's then a volunteer. Yeah. And, and then, then like, there's like you're no... You're volunteering like, to do what you... Know, you creating a mess you know you're volunteering to just come in and do random things in my business and then there's like no incentive to even do better because like they're like oh i'm not gonna get paid so it's like even worse at least with paid yeah. or getting paid there's some sort of agreement that like you're gonna deliver on some service right so so yeah sorry well, you this know probably dissuades a lot of people from hiring people i know like, yeah. I'm thinking, well, i've talked about all the negative things so quickly before we finish what have been the the positives, yeah. The positive things to do with scaling. And um, like you also mentioned, like before we started recording, you mentioned a favorite book of yours, The E-Myth. Oh, yeah, The E-Myth, yep. Yeah. And I mean, have you found that scaling, you've been able to achieve some of these ideals that you have? And what, what kind of things did you, what dreams did you have going into it? And how has scaling your business helped you to further yeah, Down the I think for that. I think yeah, I think that some of the positives because Emith is a great book about just like hiring and sort of like kind of think about a book business in general. I think everybody should read it. It's probably one of the first books that like kind of like truly opened my mind about like oh, this is kind of how companies work really well. And at least for us at Void Media, we hired like a person, and when we brought her on board, she was like one of those like A players that was like whoa, like I was like. Jesus Christ, like she would tell her a task and she just like get done so perfectly well and done. I was like, wow, like this is what people say. Like when you have like a great person, they can really transform your business. And when it was before her, the company was probably like three people. Now with her, it's about 20, 30 people. She set this whole thing up, process, hiring, uh, project management tasks, like improving customer communications. She'd be like, Kevin, let me just shadow you for like a day. I want to see what you're doing. And she just write, sit down with me. And she's like, okay, this is what we need to fix. This is what we fix. And then she would just... It wasn't one of those people that's like, hey, here's what we need to fix. But she also had the ability to execute. And that is so like rare finding people that can like, think and execute. I tell people like all the time, like, like I'm just like, I'm just a thinker. Like I'm really bad at executing. That's why I, I need to hire people. And that's why like I tell people like, hey, I want to do this thing done. How can you like do it for me and break it down? That way I can like get it done. And she's that like, she's like, oh, Kevin, you can think. I like, I like that you're a thinker. Just tell me what you need to think about and I'll go execute it for you. And then that has helped us grow. And that's why like, the benefits of hiring a great person is it can really transform your business. And you realize how, when you work with somebody that's super smart, it just reinvigorates you. And you're like, you're like, Whoa, like we can be so much more than I even thought it was possible. And that is like the exciting part. And that's sort of like, at least for me, like why we've grown void media to so much because like we hired one person and then they, she hired another person that was great. And you're like, Whoa, like you realize like having a great team really makes everybody look really good. And then you have all these great brands that you work with. And I think that's the exciting part because even me and Wilson, Wilson, we'll look back at like some of our old like templates and things we send out. And we're just like, whoa, I can't believe we got clients like this. <laughs> like it's like, and then now like our decks are like 90 page decks, like beautifully designed. She like hired designers, copywriters to make everything perfectly fine and crystal clear. And like every other, every other month we're like, analyzing like our contracts, analyzing like our invoices, our P&Ls. And she's like, okay, great. Here are the clients who are paying this, this. Let's try this pricing structure next month. Let me know how much you're closing, Kevin. And then let's let's see if we can charge more. It's like all this like- That just sounds amazing. Yeah, it's <laughs> I like- I get one of those. Yeah. And I think it's like, it takes time. And 
once I you find a, one of those, yeah. Because I'm like really process yeah. driven and like I'm very, I'm very left brained, but you know, being a programmer. Yeah. So I'm process driven. It needs to be profitable. It needs to all make sense. And then, you know, I, I don't want to be telling somebody how to do that yep. because they need to be able to, if you're telling someone how to, how to create a process or how to run a process, they're not going to yeah. do the right thing, you know? So finding the right person to do that real project management or kind of executive role. Yeah. Is for me, that's, that's a bit of a scary thing. So I've, I've kind of maintained that uh, for myself, but then this is where I find it's got to the point where I'm going to have to do something because I am at capacity and for me to bring on another junior person, then my kind of executive function is now being taken up further on having more people under me in my team that I'm managing. Whereas, and because I do you know more than one role, essentially, because I'm yeah. doing the marketing or at least I'm doing the top level side of the marketing, you know, like someone else might execute yeah. on that, but but I need to be there to actually lend my voice to things. And then, you know, I'm doing the ideation in terms of what our business is becoming and what kinds of clients we want to work with. And, you know, that's all really important. But because I do all of that project management, yeah, that, that would become tough. I don't want to feel pressured in terms of time because I'm just now at the point where I'm able to run off and do things for my kids, like on... Monday, I found out that my son was, we're doing like this book week thing this week and we're all supposed to dress up in, in costumes. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I don't have a costume. So, well, I mean, my son doesn't have a costume. So we we went together to get, yeah. like, to get a costume. And I'm like, a year or two ago, I wouldn't have been able to yeah. do that because I was doing everything myself. I felt so pressured. Whereas now it's like, yeah, I've got team members doing everything for me. Yep. It's actually to the point where I've been feeling like, not bored, but it's like I need a new challenge because I've yeah. got processes for everything. And now the things that I have to do, they don't necessarily take up all of my time. So potentially I could bring on another person. But I think having an executive person like you're yeah. talking about there would just make life so much easier. Yeah. And I think it's that leap of faith that if you bring on someone like that it's going to work out for you and it's not just going to be the biggest failure in your business yeah. you, you know, <laughs> yeah. doing the whole hiring and firing thing because that's yeah. messy when you're going through that phase of bringing people on and getting rid of them because they don't perform and like that's painful that's painful yeah I think like at least for us like we have like two three people that are like that in the team and it's like and our team's like 25 people. And really like these two, three, like kind of like help control the whole like company because everybody else is kind of like just like workers and you only need a few of like these people to really push you forward. And it's like, at least for me, like I was just telling you today, like I literally had no internet for the whole day until just like our call. So I was like, I was like, they're like messaging me on Slack. I was like, oh yeah, you just, everybody's just doing their own thing. And I'm like, I need, I need so little involvement unless it's like a small, like small thing. Like, hey, Kevin, what do you think about this? But like, the company just kind of runs itself and it's like, oh, great, great. Like I'm just doing sales and today I had no sales calls. So I was like, yeah, let me just kind of like 
chill and chill and hang out with the the spectrum guy while he's trying to fix my cable. I was like, all right. But yeah. And then yeah, I was like, so yeah, it, it's it's great. And and that's like think something that like you can look forward to, like some of the benefits. Because I think as like a freelancer, sometimes you can get stuck in that like a little bit of just like you're doing everything yourself. But then at least for me, I'm always thinking about it as like me and Wilson are just like, hey, like let's say five years from now, I want to build a team where it doesn't need us. But at the same time, we have like these people running the managers running the company then we can just kind of go and do something else and like build the void media brand that's not just based on myself and Wilson because right now even now when we pitch it it's really about like hey why Kevin and I tell them it's because my story of hey look I was computer science did entrepreneurship as my real companies now I'm doing marketing and the reason why I do marketing is because I built my own stuff not not from college and people are like oh really I love that sort of like vibe and that's sort of like what we use right now but I know that I can only say that story so many times. I mean, like, because I'm doing all the calls and it's like, that's like, I have like five calls sometimes. And it's like, ah, this is so much, right? So, but, well, yeah. the next plunge is to hire a salesperson. So that's exactly that's what we're looking for. Yeah, yeah. So that's exactly what we're looking one. for. So that's like, so that, that part is like what I'm looking for. It's probably the hardest thing I've, I've tried to find because, I mean, you probably know too, like anybody listening on here, as a freelancer, the person that owns the business, you can really make the decisions on the fly and people really like that because that's comforting. Like, hey, Kevin, like... Can't... And also, you know the stories you know inside it. out. Yep. It's it's hard for somebody to sell something without alluding to past project successes. Yep. And if someone's coming on as a salesperson, they need to almost come across like they've been embedded in that team for the last three, yeah. five years, you know? Um, they can't just suddenly come in and start making sales and just seem like the novice on the block. Yeah, because even yeah, I think exactly what you said. It's it's that like knowledge of history that you have. Like when someone when a client will mention something, I'll be like, oh yeah, we did that for this random random client like a week ago, two months ago. Like for me, it's just like it's just top of mind. When I, another person, I've had other sales that I've tried to train, and I'll listen to their calls, and I'm like, oh, I would have said this during that because like for me, it triggers a memory from a previous client. Where for them, it's like nothing triggers like <laughs> it's nothing triggers, right yeah like nothing it's like blank it's like oh no i didn't know that right? it's like oh did you did we have a skincare client i'm like yes we've had like five <laughs> like right yeah yeah it's, it's like yeah, yeah. so but yeah it, i mean i it's so funny because i talked to my friend about this and he's like he's like this is the thing that every founder or person that has their own company uh, deals with because it's like he calls it like the founder bonus where the founder you automatically will close more because you know everything and you can make any decision on the fly like clients like hey this is going to do 10k they want like 9,500, you could be like, you'll think about your business at the moment and be like, okay, let's do it. Whereas a sales guy would be like, oh, I got to go talk to the founder. And like, at the moment, you lost that like trust a little bit. And for us, it's like, we know our business right now, almost every time. And you're like, all right, I'll take the project on because I kind of need the money right now. So let's do it, right? So it's like little, little things like that, that really like help your decision-making and it shows other people that you're working with that you're truly in control and they want to work with the person in control. Yeah, I think that's where that salesperson role really is a trusted position. And I mean, in some organizations, there's like a sales team yeah. and they're not considered trusted. But in a smaller business where you've been the founder salesperson, bringing on that salesperson, it's really got to be a trusted role. And I think yeah. that person needs to be like that person needs to be trained in a way that you're really sharing all of that detail about your business's history. I tried I tried having a, a salesperson help me a little while ago. He was going to do some marketing, but he was going to like, we were doing a 
mail out, I think, to a particular audience because this particular audience, yeah, they were they were internet savvy, but not to the degree that we wanted. So we just started to mail out to them. And then he was going to call them all and explain what the offer was. And the amount of time that went into explaining to him what we do and why. <laughs> and then he was part-time. Yeah. I realized, no, this really, really is a trusted position. And like he didn't make any sales and didn't really get any leads. And he said, oh, no, this market's dead. And I'm like, I don't think so. And then after he left, I closed yeah. like 10 of those deals. Yeah. But for him, that was really, really difficult. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I had, no, it's so funny because I literally had a same story like that. I'm just like, I'm like, I've explained to you our system or process or pricing t- like 20 times. Like, I don't know what there's a not to get. Like, I maybe it's like, it's like, I'm like, I gave you previous recordings, like, listen to them. Like, and then, like, yeah, same thing. Like, he didn't close anything. And then after I got on, got on, I was like, I was like, these, these are like easy leads. Like, they want our service already. Like, like, why aren't we closing them? It's just like, yeah, it's such a hard for me. Like, I'm trying to hire a salesperson and, and I've been like tr- actually tra- trying to take some sales training of like how to hire somebody good. And like anything, I, I think I'm going to start off by just paying someone a lot and then saying like, hey, let me know if this will work. And then if it works, let me go figure out what process, what, how, why were you so successful? Whereas like if I hired somebody else, it wasn't. And like maybe someone like super senior, right? Like actual senior, right? Not like someone that's like, so like, that's what, that's what I'm thinking right now. It's like, we're at least for me and Wilson. You've got the point. benefit of the fact that yeah. you've already got a business of size. Yeah. So you might have a bit of cash reserves. Whereas someone who's been freelancing, yeah, they might not have a lot of cash reserves. So bringing on a salesperson really shouldn't be the first role that you hire. No. Because you haven't got the cash reserves to hire someone good. And hiring a mediocre salesperson is really going to set you back. You might as well just learn how to sell. Yeah. And do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the best. Like even for me, people, I still sell. Our company's like 25 people. I tell people like you should be selling until you're making at least five to 10, 15 million dollars for your business. Because it's like, at least for me, I see so much stuff from selling that then I can tell my employees, my team, like, I'll be like, hey guys, this is what I'm seeing from the sales calls. And it just like allows me to like sell more as in like upgrades and upsells whenever I'm talking to a, a person. I think for me, like I to people like, oh, but like a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not a salesperson. Like if you're doing freelancing, you're in your business, you got to learn it. And it's one of those skills that's like, you got to either do it or like, you know, that this is part of your workflow now. I think, I think in anything, like you're always kind of selling, but like you, you can be like, it depends on what type of salesperson you want to be. For me, I try to tell people like, at least for me, we have like a sales process. Like I'm, you probably do too, where it's like, we have a call, discovery call. We have questions we ask them. And then within five to 10 minutes, I can tell like if this person's going to be a good fit or not. And people always, I mean, you probably get that too. Like people are like, oh, how do you know? I'm like, once you do this a lot, you kind of know, like, like based on what they're saying or how they're wording things. I'm like, okay, this person is probably not going to be a good fit based on just like these simple words that he's saying. And I quickly try to end the call. And you try to be nice. Hey, based on what you're telling me, doesn't look like we're a great fit because like a process doesn't fit whatever you have. And it's like, oh, it makes sense. I don't think you, but come back in like a year or two and, and we'll talk from there. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, tip for freelancers. Don't write a proposal for a job that you don't really want because that proposal takes a lot of time out of your day. Yep. And then if they accept it, then you have to deal with that person as a client. So if they are sold on you, but you're not sold on them, don't do the proposal. Just say, look, I'm sorry. 
I don't think we're going to be a good fit and just move on. Yeah. Just and it's, save it's, your time. Save your time. I think that's probably like with anybody, it's like save your time, save your heartache, save your headache because you're going to feel like, wow, what did I do this? And then like, it, I, we've done it before where we've had, we brought on clients and then we're just like, Hey, based on like just a month, like it's not going to work. And we're just like, you feel so relieved. You're like, Oh, like thank God. Yeah, I can't, oh my God. I was such good. And it's nervous. Like anything for the first like few hours, but then you're like, you say, no, it's like, no, I'm, I'm feel good now. I feel good. Yeah. Well, we're going to move on. I'm, I'm not sure how long we've been running, but we've been chatting yeah. for a while. So before we move into picks, how can people reach out to you? Yeah, so uh, usually just Kevin at voymedia.com. That's probably the best way. That's it, V-O-Y media.com. So or the, I'm on Twitter too. So probably, I like, I love using Twitter. So Twitter is a great place, but I'm not, I, like, I just like, I just like it because it's, I get my news there. So it's like, okay. good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, anyone that wants to reach out to Kevin, now you know how to reach Kevin. So, all right, well, let's move into picks. Hey folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit, and you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. Now, so totally non-business related, because I don't know if you can tell from my recent picks, but I have been so chilled out lately. I've been doing all these like hobby things instead of work things lately. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like a bit of a part-time person at the moment. It's like a lifestyle business for me now, right now. Yeah. So I've been I've been watching Netflix and I've done a few Netflix picks, but I've been painting in front of Netflix. So oh, nice. um, and a series I've been really enjoying is a series of unfortunate events. Oh, sorry, Lemony Snickets, a series of unfortunate events. And it's so funny. It's got a real dry sense of humour and I really, really like it. So if you like kind of humorous, dry, dark comedies, I think you'll really enjoy this one. So I've got a link to that particular show in the, um, in the picks list. Now, how about yourself, Kevin? What have you picked this week? So my pick is probably like one of my like all-time favorite books by like probably one of my favorite marketers out there. And the reason why it's called Dotcom Secrets and it's by this guy named Russell Brunson. And the reason why I like it, it's because Russell is one of those marketers that like sells books, sells information, but also he runs ClickFunnels. ClickFunnels, I'm not sure if people have heard of it. ClickFunnels is a $100 million annual recurring revenue company that's completely self-bootstrapped and self-funded. Um, and basically why I love him is because he's a marketer that kind of does everything and he, everything he preaches, he does it and runs himself versus some people that just teach, but I've never actually had to run a business. So that's where I like, I like someone like Russell Brunson where he teaches everything that he's learned because he's had a successful company. ClickFunnels is probably like, 
I mean, people know like Unbounce or Lead Pages. It's those both of those companies are VC funded, and Russell Brunson company makes more money than them. And just because he's a great marketer and he's a better marketer than those companies are, so it just shows you like the power of marketing. And he writes everything about how he does it in these like books called like Dot Com Secrets. And I tell people all the time like people we should reading these as like the book that they go to because everything he says is like the stuff that I do. And people are like, whoa, how'd you go know this? I'm like, this is from a book. Like, it's like, I'm not that smart. Like Russell Brunson is the genius. Like he, and I just like listen to what he says. So uh, I don't know. I, I like his stuff. So I definitely think, and it's also like 10 bucks. So it's super cheap. Yeah. I really like his books as well. Yeah. I like his systems and you can, you can move them into any yeah. marketplace as well. Like some people, especially here in Australia, I think in Australia, we tend to be a little bit more um, like, Quite, there's a lot of quite cynical people is what I've spoken to about. I've spoken to other marketers here in Australia and they're yeah. like, oh, it's really hard to sell Australians. And But you can you can take whatever is in that book and you can move it into your marketplace and you don't have to change the structure of what he's saying. The recipe is still the same. You might just change some of the words or you know change it around to suit your marketplace. But the actual structure of what he said is sound, I believe. Yeah in pretty much any marketplace. You just have to tweak it a little bit to make to make it work for, for yourself. And I think trying to reinvent the wheel is dangerous because yeah. like, if there's a recipe that works, then why not explore that rather than trying to create your own thing? And certainly everything yeah. in those books. Makes sense. Uh, they but, just make sense, don't they? Yeah. And I, I think what you said, it's a lot of people try to like reinvent the wheel versus like they'll read something like, let's say, Doc on Secrets and be like, this doesn't work. I'm like, just try it. But they won't try that, but they'll try that a random idea that has not been, like no one's talked about ever, right? But yet like they'll read something about Docker and be like, oh, this will work. And like, I'm like, just try it. And a lot of people are so surprised by how, because they read it and they're like, this is so obvious. I'm like, yes, like just do it. And I think a lot of, a lot of things happen with people read books. It's like, they'll read it, but they don't actually implement. I think the implementation part is really where you learn more. And I think, at least for me, when I do the .com secret stuff, and I always tell people it works because I've implemented it. I'm like, even for me as a marketer, I'm like, wow, like, I can't believe this actually worked. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, it's so crazy. Like, like it's so funny. Yeah. Alrighty. So we're going to, we're going to finish up now. So now if you want to get more episodes of the freelancer show, please subscribe on iTunes. We're also on Twitter. So you can get any links to any shows. You can get shows on our website please subscribe because there's a lot of content coming out all the time and we've got a lot of great guests that share a lot of knowledge. So really great seeing you today, Kevin. Thank you so much for being on the show and have a great day, everyone. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.